1: We doing the uh, we doing the cold open? Yeah, I think we have to. <laughs> Saturday night fever turns into Monday night fever. We're uh, re- replace the lack of sobriety with the lack of well restedness that would normally, yes. you know. Yeah, that I think it's a fair uh, fair trade. So you're getting us in our uh, our prime form either way. It's just kind of a different way to get to the same place.
0: I would agree, and we've tried <laughs> to record this podcast like. 14 times over the weekend been a and solid 48
1: out. hours of attempting to hit the hit the button so we get 48 extra hours of prep and this is what you get <laughs> pretty
0: much um for those unfamiliar are, with the format by the way real sleep. quick
1: this this is something that we started doing late last year was uh Instead of doing recaps like Sunday night when we had like some time to digest everything, we started doing recaps on Saturday night when we still had several beers in us from the day. Everything was very fresh. There was no structure to this. Uh, Mike is now the cruise director. He's just going to pick pick which game we talk about and when we talk about them. And uh, yep. we're just going to see what comes out.
0: Number 15, Miami 30, Southern Miss 7. Miami was leading this game 10-7 to at halftime, Joey
1: uh Miami was trailing this game seven to three with one minute left till halftime like <laughs> Miami didn't get into the end zone until about 30 seconds left in the first half
0: what a weird ass game this was yeah I um, don't know what
1: the hell this was it was bizarre and and I'm also peeved because I had over 51 on this game I had a ticket <laughs> on that thinking Miami might get there themselves and they dick around and just basically don't play offense in the first half
0: they had no interest in playing offense in the first half. They were fine. They cruised in the second half. They got the, they got their shit together, and they played much better. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I can think about coming out of this game is who the hell is going to win that game in College Station next Saturday.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of these games coming up next weekend that we have ACC teams in that I saw them on the schedule Sunday morning, and I was like, how do you come up with a line for that game? Because this game, Miami going into College Station to play an A&M team coming off a loss to App State at home. Uh, also, Florida State going to Louisville on Friday night. What? How do you come up with a line for that game? I don't know who's favorite now. I know. Like,
0: I know, because especially after the way Louisville played um, in the second half, we'll get into that game in a minute. The way that Louisville looked in the second half, that UCF game, it was ugly, but the fourth quarter, they kind of like got it all together and like stole the win, mm-hmm. right? Snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and now they're playing at home against a Florida State team that 3 0 had a week off, like 2 0, 2 0, 2 0 had
1: a week off. I think Florida State just Wait, did they What's going on with Florida State? They were on bye, right? They're 2 and 0 oh, cuz they they played in week 0 yeah. and they they beat LSU week 1 and then they were off they this week. Play, so they're 2 and 0. Oh. They
0: didn't play. I was going to say I was going to say they didn't play this weekend, so 2 and 0 oh, and I I'm already on to week 3 in my mind.
1: People um, having bye weeks oh. in week 2 is definitely messing with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Florida State is 2 and 0. Oh. And they're going to play Louisville on the road, and who knows what that's going to look like. Anyway, Miami wins this game thirty to seven. And do you feel any like better or worse about the Canes? I mean, it's kind of hard
1: to get up for Southern Miss. I I don't feel better. I mean, it's not like there was like a letdown after you beat Bethune Cookman like a drum last week. I mean, yeah, that's true. This is, still, this is a team that you have a way better roster than. Miami had some serious offensive line issues. They gave up four sacks in this game. I think all of them might have been in the first half. Um, they had some real issues on defense, too. I think some issues with tackling and angles and some of the finer points. Um, I, I am pretty confident that our, our, our buddy Cam was not very happy with the way this whole thing went for Miami. Um, it it took them a while. I mean, they were uh, legit. They were trailing for almost the entire first half of this game. It was it was weird to watch.
0: Uh, Henry Parrish had 109 yards on 23 carries. Mm-hmm. Tyler Van Dyke ended up throwing for 263 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, and I say eventually because he, like, eventually got there, right? Mm-hmm. The, the stats eventually caught up to where we expected him to be. Parish's rushing stats eventually got to where we expected him to be. Mm-hmm. This was a very, very weird game for Miami. Uh, but, again, look-ahead spot. Got AM next Saturday. And AM is coming off a loss to App State. So at least
1: you didn't lose this game to Southern Miss. Like yeah. at least you're on AM this week. There's that. This Miami offense in this game and at least really had some issues in terms of explosiveness. Um <laughs> they they start the game going three and out and they punt. And then their second drive is a sixteen play eighty six yard drive. Sorry, sixteen play sixty-eight yard drive that ends. With a field goal, Mike. (laughs) Yep. 16 plays take six minutes off the clock and kick a field goal. Nine plays, 42 yards interception. Uh, Four plays, 12 yards punt. Ten plays, 86 yards touchdown as their final drive of the first half. 13 plays, 77 yards touchdown to start the second half. One play, 35 yards touchdown after that. Yeah. Like, that 35-yard touchdown pass from Tyler Van Dyke to uh, Keyshawn Smith was probably about the the biggest play they had all day, it felt like. Um, this is just a lot of, like, dink and dunk, like, trying to really run the ball down Southern Miss's throat and struggling to do it. I don't know. None of this made me feel better about Miami, but I could have felt worse if they had actually lost the game.
0: Right. I don't think we know anything about Miami yet not much.
1: No, it's 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 hard to, I mean, considering who they've played.
0: Right. Now, we'll learn a hell of a lot more or will we? I mean, that AM offense is setting, I mean, Jimbo Fisher's offense sets football back like 300 years. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see what that looks like next weekend, but I don't know.
1: If if Miami can't be explosive on offense and they're going into College Station, what's the total for this game against and I was going to say
0: I was going to say, like, I haven't even looked at the early lines yet, but, I mean, would it shock you if there was a total in the 40s for this game, considering the way Miami just looked and considering the way A&M just looked
1: against App my, my first thought, Mike, was a total of, like, 39 or, like, 41. Like, right. A&M didn't run it that's up then. I don't think Miami is either, necessarily. Like, I'm, I'm pulling it up. It looks like the, uh, the current number is 48 and a half, and that's... I'd be willing to take yeah, the under. I, I probably will on the I, on the I
0: Yeah, I was going to say I, I like the under there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I mean, that that Florida State, that Florida State Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> that Texas A&M offense is going to have trouble gaining separation this year from anybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew they were. I know you're down in Texas and you have to hear about Texas A&M all the time. I knew that was overhyped coming into the year. I was mm-hmm. looking at that. I was like, man, are we absolutely sure they have a quarterback? Number one. And then number two, are we like absolutely positively sure their offense is going to be explosive? And, you know, through two weeks, I think we have our answer. I,
1: I feel like the further away we get from it, the more and more bizarre their win over Alabama last year is going to be. Like, not just that you beat Alabama. And yeah, it was a home game, but like, your backup quarterback who otherwise did nothing all year transferred and then didn't win the starting job wherever he transferred right went out there and was like unconscious through for like 450 yards and five touchdowns or something like that it was like the most impossible thing basically considering everything else that we've seen from a&m going back for a couple of years now um made
0: no sense at the time still doesn't really make sense almost full year removed
1: I have been having an absolute blast uh, watching watching over and over the uh, cringy Midnight Yell video that's gotten DMCA'd at this point by A&M. I don't know if you saw that.
0: I wrote off that. I wrote off that today for SI. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did see that.
1: And, and the funny thing that I've seen on Twitter, and this is the thing that you really get to deal with when you're, uh, you get Aggies up close and personal, is uh, I saw a couple quotes of like, man, after how bad that went last week, they're not going to do that again, are they? It's like, oh, yes, they are. This is a yep. like a proper Aggie tradition. They do it every Friday night before a Saturday Aggie football game, basically. And it has they have yep. for years and years and years. And it is one of the million ultra weird traditions that I really hope Miami fans get to experience a little bit of when they play them next week because that's a culture clash right there is Miami fans and A&M yep. fans.
0: Uh, yeah I'll say I wonder how many <laughs> Miami fans are gonna make the trip there
1: I mean a lot of Miami fans don't make the trip to their own stadium so who's to say that's fair, but... that's fair. yeah that is fair <laughs> uh, tough but fair tough but fair that's right podcast motto
0: Tough but fair uh moving on North Carolina 35 Georgia State 28 North Carolina is the worst 3-0 and team in the country
1: <laughs> are they are they the only 3-0 and team in the country
0: yeah, they might be they might be, they might be. <laughs> i got to do my research on that there were a lot of there were a lot of teams that uh a lot of teams took a breather after week 0 games and, and northwestern uh, north lost carolina, to duke north carolina might be the only 3-0 team in the country <laughs> and they're actually going on bye i'm wondering how many points the bye week is going to score on them
1: mm. yeah that defense is uh <laughs> going to have a time playing defense against the bye week um i don't know i feel like north carolina's defense actually like the last couple weeks They've had a lot of bad moments, but they've had a couple of decent stretches of like, like they'll play for like a quarter or like twenty minutes in a row of like getting a few stops in a row. Like, there's something there. Now, there's it wasn't
0: it wasn't it it wasn't against App State though.
1: No, no, definitely not. Um, And I don't know. Georgia State might end up being actually kind of decent. We'll see. Um, Right, but. I don't know. I was also kind of peeved at this game because I had an over 36 points t- ticket for uh, North Carolina's team total. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you scored 21 points in the first half. Your second half drives, interception, fumble, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt, fumble, end of game. Like, just – I had a few uh, a kick-in-the-balls kind of uh, gambling tickets on, on Saturday. I was not really thrilled with how all that went.
0: I had over 63 and a half. What was the game total? Uh, finished at 63. <laughs> oh, that is correct. That's that is
1: correct. Yeah, that's a bad beat, Scott Van Pelt.
0: Yeah, yeah. Roasted by the hook. Also, like, Georgia State and Carolina both had multiple opportunities to score in the fourth quarter, just elected not to. Outside mm-hmm. of the O'Meary and Hampton uh, touchdown run early fourth quarter that, put Carolina up for good. Um, Mm -hmm. Both teams just decided they were not going to score many more points. So that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Gross. Um, How did go? I I don't understand how Carolina won this game by just a touchdown. Like you were averaging almost 12 yards per attempt, throwing the ball. Drake may looked great. 19 to 24. Uh, Georgia state was penalized 12 times for 87 yards in this game. Like, Everything really swung your way and yet I don't know. I don't I don't understand how this ended up the way it was. So there there's a lot of like fits and starts about this this uh, North Carolina offense, I will say. There's for an offense that we we look at each other like, oh man, like they can really move the ball well. They have a lot of three and outs too. They just accomplish nothing.
0: They do some weird stuff. They do some weird stuff. They lost two fumbles in this game. Drake May had an interesting interception. Um yeah, I mean the turnovers kept Georgia State in the game, and like you mentioned, this is a team that really just, offensively, they're very explosive or they're not, and their defense is just more often than not not able to get off the field. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to continue to keep an eye on. I don't know. I I think here's the thing about North Carolina, though, and I mentioned this. Um, I mentioned this on the preview. Like the defense is going to be pretty bad all year i think like i think they are what they are could they improve sure they can go from awful to bad but i think they're gonna be pretty bad all year yep but north carolina can outscore most teams on their schedule so i think we're still going to be in a situation where like the floor is still pretty high for the tar heels like to a point where like they should make a bowl game they probably should win seven games like it's really hard to envision carolina you know not at least getting to a bowl game but of course like w- given their talent you know on the roster how they've recruited their coaching staff like quality of, of of the coaches especially on the offensive side of the ball you would think that they would be in a uh, in a better situation than like oh this is a six or seven win football team
1: yeah mike how do we feel about north carolina outscoring notre dame next week
0: Damn good about that. <laughs> Notre Dame, Notre Dame loses to Marshall, one of the uh, several Sun Belt casualties this weekend. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame loses to Marshall. They also lose starting quarterback Tyler Buckner for the year. Uh, Notre Dame will be starting Drew Pine at quarterback moving forward, and their only source of offense really at this point is Michael Mayer, the tight end, which you know every team knows the book is out on that. So mm-hmm. defensively, teams are just blanketing mayor and then Notre Dame can't move the ball also the Irish offensive line is not great Mm -mm. which is a weird thing to say but they had multiple opportunities to pick up a yard on Saturday you know Mm -hmm. third and one fourth and one couldn't do it against Marshall so what makes you think that they're going to do it against Carolina well Carolina's defense sucks but I like Carolina's chances about scoring Notre Dame in a high scoring affair
1: yeah oh sorry that's in two weeks um
0: yeah, so they, they, lose, yeah, on a bye. Yeah. They,
1: they lose Tyler Buckner for the year. And if you've watched anything from him this year so far, just keep in mind, that's the guy that won the job. The guy that's replacing yeah, him is the guy that lost it.
0: Very good.
1: Like, yeah, so whatever you're getting from Drew yeah. Pine, probably not even what Buckner has given you, which is saying something. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's in two weeks for uh, North Carolina. They'll get a well-deserved week off. We'll see if they can figure out tackling in that time. And I I just don't suspect that they will.
0: I, like you mentioned, Carolina replaced defensive coordinator, but they did not replace anything else on that staff. Not the
1: coaches and not the players.
0: Yep. So you can only get so much better.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. North Carolina, 35, Georgia state, 28. Where to Mike? Oh, baby.
0: Uh-oh. Illinois 24 Virginia 3
1: just like we said might happen and courtesy of our old friend Tommy DeVito UVA sucks <clears throat> you think
0: they're bad hmm they're quite bad off lines bad they lack explosiveness in the passing game, despite what people have been trying to tell me on social media. They lack explosiveness offensively. The books out on Brandon Armstrong. Defense is average. This is a bad football team.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this is like one of the worst games we've seen Brandon Armstrong have. And I mean, I think this is, some of this is maybe just like what happens when uh, when you like you turn over basically your entire offensive line. Right? Is I mean. Illinois finishes game with five sacks and nine tackles for loss. Like and, and just Virginia struggled to get anything going all day long in this game. Um they, they really had a a pretty brutal time. Uh they kick a field goal on their second offensive possession. After that, punt, 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 miss field goal, punt, turnover on downs, punt, 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 interception, interception, turnover on downs. Um they had 11 first downs on the day. They were 0 for 16 on third down. Uh, not great. Not great.
0: Paris Jones and Mike Hollins, UVA's two primary running backs, they combined for 12 carries for 38 yards. It's not
1: great. And honestly, like ideal. I, I don't know that you should have been really trying to run into the teeth of this Illinois defense. Not that they're, you know. The eighty-five Bears or anything, but like they're a pretty good physical run defense. You know, pretty good in the front seven, I think. I, knowing what you got at quarterback and at receiver, I, I really would have been taking my chances trying to sling it around as much as possible. And I don't know, there, there were more. You know, they threw more passes than runs, but it wasn't much more than uh, than even. So I don't know. Seems without having watched a ton of this game, seems like a bit of a uh, questionable coaching performance.
0: Brad, our well. A questionable coaching performance, Shall we? Joey, what? who would Hey, what?
1: Mike, are are you Whoa. doing that? Whoa, what's happening? Is that what? What's, oh, what's hap- oh no! My soundboard is is oh, no. malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop it. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. Oh no! Why is the Mickey Mouse theme song playing?
0: Oh, interesting. <laughs>
1: interesting. <laughs> oh. I swear I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to stop it so bad. Let's see. Does this Joey. work? Okay, all right, we got it, we got it, all right.
0: Joey, all I'll say is, I told you so.
1: <laughs> what I tell you? Uh, and, I'm not sure that I was like going to bat for the whole Tony Elliott and the no, coaching staff. No, no, no no, <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no, 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 I mean, you were, you were beating the drum that <laughs> the staff was less than ideal before I was. I think a lot of people are going to think that this is coming off as like, oh, this guy's a Virginia Tech alum, so he's just being a douchebag. Um, yes, you're right. That's
1: correct. <laughs> There's some truth to that, perhaps. <laughs> but,
0: perhaps, but I mean, this is a situation too, where like, if you don't, if you don't like it as a UVA fan, how about not losing by three touchdowns to Brett Bielema in like, Illinois? Like, let's, let's figure that out.
1: Yeah, not pretty. Not pretty. Um, I don't know. I just I can't shake the idea that. I mean, at least with Brennan Armstrong and these receivers, like how good they looked last year, how explosive they were, how many yards and points they put on so many different teams. And even in a, you know, they were only like six and six, I think, maybe seven and five, but had a lot of competitive entertaining games along the way. And I don't know. I mean, it's only two games. One of them was an FCS team and they beat them. But I'd be curious, Virginia fans. Like, are you impressed by what you're seeing so far? Like, I, I definitely don't think this is necessarily like what you would call a year zero situation. I, I don't think that the, the roster was in that terrible of shape that you just can't take anything from it. Maybe with the offensive line. I don't know.
0: I mean, they're a few years removed from an Orange Bowl. They've ha- they've fielded good competitive teams since then. And this is looking like a team that might win four games. hmm I mean... I will say this you know Virginia plays a team in Duke here soon I wouldn't count that as an automatic win anymore Mm -mm. um so I don't know I mean UVA's UVA's got some stuff to work out Joey
1: I am thoroughly curious like give it let's give it like two more weeks let's get to the end of September and we need to do like a like an ACC Coastal Division power ranking and try to figure out how we feel about all these teams relative to each other because I feel like there is some upward and downward mobility going on around here. Actually, not that much upward mobility. Well, Pretty much all just let's, downward let's, mobility.
0: <laughs> well, let, let's let's move on to a, uh, a team that, that took a step forward with a year one coach. My Virginia Tech Hokies 27, Boston College 10. Joey, BC is not good up front.
1: And it tells me something that your program hires a new coach, gets his first win, and you're excited about that. And the first thing that you're saying is Boston College ain't it. <laughs>
0: like Oh man, they are so they are so bad. I mean, this is this is what should have happened when Virginia Tech played BC last year. Pil Drakovic was coming back from injury. Um, he finished with like thirty yards passing or something like that, and Virginia Tech like didn't complete a pass the entire first half. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a much better performance mm-hmm. by Virginia Tech. Now, from from a, from the Hokie standpoint, offensively, it's still kind of a mess. Like Virginia yes. Tech didn't didn't look terrific offensively. Grant no. Wells, sixteen to twenty five, one hundred and forty yards, didn't turn the ball over. Right through mm-hmm. a touchdown pass, didn't turn it over. So that's a step in the right direction. Virginia Tech, I think, is starting to find a little something on the ground with Keyshawn King. Um, had four carries for 64 yards, really the
1: and a long of 65.
0: The, yeah, had a 65-yard <laughs> touchdown run, then promptly left the game. I he, They said he's he's day to day, so I, you know, might have been tweak a hamstring, tweak a groin. They're going to be getting Malachi Thomas back here soon. He's out of his walking boot. He was um, he was the running back that emerged last year as a freshman for Virginia Tech late in the year. Had a couple of really good games, so Tech's going to be getting him back soon. Jalen Holston really couldn't get a ton going 20 carries, 48 yards at a short touchdown run um, BC's defense is not that bad, Joey um, Virginia Tech's got a bad offense It's more Virginia Tech than anything But BC's got a decent defense They have a good quarterback And they have an all-conference wide receiver And this is a Boston College game I think could struggle, could, could struggle to get to six wins um, Yeah, I, And it's all about their offensive
1: line play Yep, that's, that's which, exactly it
0: And this game went exactly how I thought it would. Like, I thought if Virginia Tech just cleaned up the turnovers and literally played the same way defensively they played against Old Dominion, like, I thought they would win the game. I wasn't necessarily expecting 27-10 to and for BC to look quite as bad as they did up front, but this is kind of how Virginia Tech got the victory is that was the path, Mm -hmm. right? That, That was the path I saw for Virginia Tech winning this football game. So I'm not surprised they won. I'm a little surprised at one by 17 despite not really playing much offense. So it's really a testament to how bad BC is up front. I mean, they are quite poor. Yeah.
1: No, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, in and just watching this game, like it is wild saying, like, yeah, Boston College's defense is is solid. Uh they've got Phil Dracovic, one of the probably three to four best quarterbacks in the conference. They've got Pat Garwo, a pretty good running back. They got Zay Flowers. He's going to be playing on Sundays. He's, he's a really good, talented receiver. Like all this stuff. They've got everything on this team except for an offensive line. That offensive line had a just a horrendous day. Like it, it was it was like you, you set up Phil Dracovic to have like a five step drop. He'd get three steps back and be running for his life. Like he had zero time at all. And I I do think that Virginia Tech has probably an above-average front seven in the ACC. So, like, that's one of the better ones they'll see all year. But at the same time, I mean, (laughs) I don't think it's going to take that much to really disrupt everything that that offense is trying to do. I mean, Boston College finishes this game with a grand total of four yards on on the ground, rushing. Uh, 26 carries, four yards. Now, that includes negative 25 from Phil Dracovic after he was sacked five times. Uh, the Hokies end up with ten tackles <laughs> for loss. Like this was bad. Like Pat Garwo is your leading rusher with ten carries for fifteen yards. Like if Boston, like, we we talked with Dan Rubin coming to the year. Like that's that was the, the the big sticking point here for this Boston College team was I think they had to replace four out of five starters. And if this is the best that you're going to get, it's going to be a long year in Chestnut Hill. And I. Some people kinda wanted to make that about a like a, a referendum on Jeff Halfley. I'm still not sure that I think we should or that I buy that, but I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact it's gonna be a long year if they can't figure this out on the offensive line.
0: Uh yeah, there there are some questions there for BC. Does this like change your outlook for Virginia Tech at all?
1: Nah, not really. This is yeah. this, this is kind of what I, I was thinking. I, I you know, and I don't know that Virginia Tech is necessarily like poorly coached on offense. I just think that, that like there's basically just like roster rot coming off of the Fuente era of, yeah. of not only like he I didn't re- he, he didn't recruit well and they had a bunch of guys like transferring out and all these things. Like this is just what's gonna happen, right. you know. So I agree.
0: and and less of that less of that occurred on defense, which is why you're seeing mm-hmm. and plus it's Brent Pry. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing the defense perform well, but offensively, that's a thousand percent hit, in my opinion. There there are already like people in the fan base complaining about play calling, thinking that's the problem. No, that's 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 not the problem. The problem is that you have a quarterback in Grant Wells that they are afraid after week one to let him just sling it down the field again, which mm-hmm. I understand after the four interception performance. Um, and you also have receivers that can't really separate and um an offensive line that gets young pretty quick if a couple guys get hurt. So they're trying to kind of protect what they got, and this offense is just not going to be very good this year, like, flat out. It's not going to be good.
1: Yep. Yeah, you're going to have to hope to win a lot of low-scoring games. Also, I I wanted to bring one more thing up. Yeah. I picked the over in this game when we were previewing the week, and the reason was I think there's going to be, uh, you know, two to three, like, dumb turnovers that end up with easy points. Phil Dracovic threw an interception on, like, the second play of the game – that was the only turnover all night. What are we doing taking care of the ball all yeah. of a sudden?
0: Yeah. Also, the um, the weather ended up. So this game did go under, but it, it went under for reasons that, you know, maybe going into it, I, I thought the weather would be like a major factor, and that's why the game would go under. Mm-hmm. No, the weather was actually fine. It, it started raining with like five minutes left in the game game was already in hand so i mean weather was not really a factor in this game like mm-hmm. i expected it to be so it went yeah. under but for different reasons yep where to I, the people are people are screaming at us because there's like three pretty decent games we haven't talked about yet but i want to leave it to the back end like we got to give people a reason to listen um georgia tech 35 western carolina 17 tell me about the yellow jackets
1: uh, I was pretty underwhelmed, honestly. Uh, Georgia Tech trailed 7-0 and then trailed 14-7 in the first half of this game. Um, I Maybe give them a little bit of credit. Maybe there was a little bit of fatigue on a short week coming off that Clemson game. But I also don't understand why you were struggling in the trenches with Western Carolina on both sides of the ball. Like The defensive line looked better against Clemson's offensive line than they did against the Catamounts. Uh, I don't know why the offensive line was also kind of struggling a little bit at times it was better than than against Clemson obviously because Clemson's defensive line it turns out better than Western Carolina's but this was this was pretty underwhelming Jeff Sims did not look nearly as crisp as he did on Monday night Uh, got a little bit of something going in the run in the run run game I guess with uh, Dante Smith in particular ran for 100 yards and three touchdowns on 11 carries but I don't know. This was kind of sloppy, lackadaisical, not not great. I realize we're at a point in the Jeff Collins era where you can't really take wins for granted. So at least there's that. But I don't know. I was pretty underwhelmed. Western Carolina comes out of this game having racked up 390 yards of offense, and I believe in the first the first half they had over seven yards per play. They were six for fourteen on third downs, like. There was a lot of stuff, especially defensively, yeah. that was really irritating to watch. And and part of this, too, that they were like, oh, well, you know, Charlie Thomas, your, your starting linebacker, kind of your eraser, fixer guy on the back end of the defense. Like, well, he uh, he was out for the first half because he got called for targeting in the second half of the Clemson game. Well, he came back in, and that, that fixed everything. It's like, why does your defense rely on one linebacker to make everything work? I might ask that question. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. There's some stuff here that uh, – I mean, it It was fine. They won. It could have been worse. We've seen worse against FCS teams under Jeff Collins. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Very interesting game, I think, this weekend against Ole Miss. Um, I think if you just look at the, the logos <laughs> and the helmets yeah. – I'm just telling you. If you just look at the logos and the helmets and like what they've done the last three years, you're like, "Oh, Ole Miss is going to wipe the floor with Georgia Tech." But like, I'm not so sure how much of a known quantity Ole Miss is right now. Like, who knows what's going to happen?
0: I mean, Ole Miss has not They've been starting multiple quarterbacks the first few games. Um, Lane Kiffin still not ready to name a starter there. So, I mean, there are some questions with Ole Miss, but uh, and they haven't really played like
1: anybody, anybody at all. So.
0: No, I'm uh, not particularly concerned about Ole Miss this weekend,
1: but, you know, we'll early, see. Early peak of the spread looks like Georgia Tech is like catching 14 and a half or 15. At that number, I might be interested. I don't know. Betting on Georgia Tech has not been a profitable uh, venture anyways, so <laughs> never mind.
0: But betting, but betting against them has. I was on Western Carolina plus 25 and a half. Shout out to the Catamounts. There you go. Cash those tickets that'll work Cash them <laughs> uh, yeah should so, we talk about should we, should we talk about a good game
1: well we should um, the first but before we do that we should probably talk about section 103.com this yes. Uh, yes. Georgia Tech game recap brought to you by section 103.com it's the internet's premier place for fu- buying all sorts of wonderful Georgia Tech apparel they've got t-shirts sweatshirts hoodies uh, they've got things in the official tech gold all the official word marks they've got the uh, shirts with the ATL logo. Uh, all sorts of great things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. If you are going out to Bobby Dodd Stadium on Saturday to the Ole Miss game, if you're going to a volleyball game coming up, uh, if you're trying to get prepped for basketball season or even baseball season, Section 103 has something for you to support Georgia Tech. So go there, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. They've been a lot of a lot of deals going out lately, too. Uh, they, they had a deal a couple of days ago. I believe they had 18% off the uh, Fight, Win, Drink, Get Naked shirt uh, to celebrate an 18-point win over Western Carolina. So keep it tuned to Section 103 and their uh, their, their social medias because they've, they've got some great deals that are coming out. Uh, for whatever reason, it is hard to find Georgia Tech Apparel that has all the right logos and colors, but you can find it at section103.com, that's for sure. Once again, promo code GO for 10% off your first order. We really appreciate their uh, partnership. It has been a great year, two so far, and looking forward to seeing what else, what other kind of magic we can make with the gang over at Section 103, uh, particularly Steven. He's, uh, he's the man, so we really appreciate it. Mike, what is the good game we should talk about?
0: Let's just let's just dive into the game of the weekend, in the ACC, shall we?
1: Clemson I'm, I'm
0: thirty-five, Clemson thirty-five, Furman twelve. Um, Furman outgained Clemson. <laughs> you watched this game, right? Wire to wire? Absolutely not. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Didn't watch a snap. Furman outgained
1: Clemson, three eighty-four to three seventy-six. This is a really weird box score to look at. You'll be you'll be surprised to find out, Mike, that I did not watch this whole game. Um in fact I didn't really watch a second of it. I think there was one point where they might have done a live cut in during the game and I think I turned around to go like refresh my drink or something. Like I that's how little of this game I
0: watched. <laughs> I think they should just go ahead and start Kate Klobnik. Yes. And DJU was fine. 21 to 27,
1: 231. He threw an interception. He had two
0: touchdown passes. Kate Klobnik... They, they just need Something.
1: Kate Klubnik had a banner performance in this game, by the way. He went one for four for negative two yards passing, and he had two carries for negative two yards. Um, so I, I thought he I thought he won the starting job here. <laughs> or I'm just being a jerk. I don't know. Maybe.
0: Well, I mean, he certainly didn't lose any ground. I mean,
1: K <laughs> isn't exactly a pull away, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. God. This is fine. I don't... <sighs> I don't understand how Furman ran for 128 yards with a long of 15. <laughs> so it's not like they had one really long run. I don't understand how Clemson came in under 150 rushing yards. You ran Will Shipley 10 times and you got 68 yards out of it. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is like some short field stuff, but then again, if Furman racks up almost 400 yards of offense, like, this doesn't make sense to me. Somebody explain this game to me, please. What, like, what happened here? How did Clemson just run away with it while Furman racked up yards and time of possession i don't get it
0: that i got i got questions about <laughs> clemson's offense but mm-hmm. you know we can not address those another
1: time yeah i mean okay. the same questions we've had it's
0: yeah i mean it's no so different i mean i'm kind of in that same spot okay now let's talk about the actual game of the weekend now that i you know really pissed people off with that uh tennessee 34 I, I'm sorry. Number 24, Tennessee, 34. Number 17, Pitt, 27. Final in going, overtime.
1: I thought you were going to NC State, Charleston Southern. Sorry, we'll get to that. I, All right. I
0: was thinking. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that. Really making people mad. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Okay, so I'm I'm bouncing back and forth. I'm waffling with Pittsburgh, Joey, because I was a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say underwhelmed, but I was uh, whelmed by their front seven in the mm-hmm. opener against West Virginia and. You know, I, I thought Pitt did a did a much better job in week two. I thought they played a lot better and they had some stuff happen to them in this game where I think if you play this game ten times, you know, I think Pittsburgh wins more <laughs> P- Pittsburgh's gonna win their fair share. Let's put it that way. Like more
1: than no Keaton times. Slo- he
0: <laughs> more than no times. Keaton Slovis le- leaves the game, Nick Patty comes in, peppermint Nick Patty. Peppermint peppermint patty. Yeah, Saint Nick, Saint Nick, Patty. I don't know. Uh, There's something there. He comes, some there's something. He comes in. He gets banged up. Pitt was at at one point like they nearly had to like go to their third quarterback for like an extended period of time. They didn't. But it ended up being fine. Tennessee had to play Pittsburgh's game, and they still found a way to win. Like Tennessee wanted to turn this into an absolute track meet, and Pitt just would not let them. They would not let them.
1: They didn't, and then they did, and then they didn't again. It was – like, Tennessee did turn it into a track meet, like, in the second quarter, basically, and then Pitt dragged it back down, basically, for the second half. Right. Um, I, one of the things that stuck out that I don't think I ever got around to tweeting was, like, my goodness, Keaton Slovis, get rid of the ball. Like <laughs> – he was back there. He took yeah. no like him going out with the injury. It looks like it was probably like a I don't know a rib cage or a shoulder, like something upper body because he was just getting crunched time after time because he wouldn't get rid of the ball. Like you don't have three hours back there to throw it when Tennessee's defensive line's coming after you. Yeah, Nick Patty yeah. kind of did some That's- of the same stuff. Like, dude, get rid of it.
0: Yeah. I think Pitt is having some issues on the outside. I think they're having some issues with quarterback play. that They did not have a year ago mm-hmm. when Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison were on the roster, who would not? Mm-hmm. But I will say I thought Pitt's front seven played a lot better. Defense line played better. Tennessee had a lot of trouble running the ball in this game. Headed Hooker had a, had a really nice day passing. But, you know, a lot of that was, like, the second quarter and overtime. Like, Hooker's stats look good, but, you know... He was having some trouble against this Pittsburgh defense. Um ends up looking good, 27 to 42, 325, two touchdowns. But if you watch the game, you'll know exactly what I was talking about. Like mm-hmm. this was not like Tennessee like going absolutely batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um now I, I will say Cedric Tillman went batshit crazy in this game, wide receiver for Tennessee. Um he popped off nine catches, one sixty two and a touchdown i mean pitt couldn't cover him but i thought outside of that i thought pitt did a pretty nice job defensively to kind of bounce back especially in the front seven mm-hmm. offensively you know pitt had plenty Izzy he canada had a really nice day uh running the football so pitt was able to find something there and that's what we talked about in this game joey this was going to be a total game script game flow type game for pittsburgh if this turned into a track meet they were probably going to lose um if they dragged tennessee down to play their game and you know they kept the you know Pitt kept their defense off the field and you know they were able to you know keep more importantly keep Tennessee's offense off the field uh you know they would have a chance to to ugly this thing up and give themselves a shot and hell with the backup quarterback they nearly did it
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know I'm still kind of not buying Pitt's offense right now like at all um they had some issues in the receiving core, a few drops in bad spots on well-thrown, like, on-time, on-target balls. And it's just like, you, you shouldn't be having that. Um, they, they finished this game 39 carries for 141 yards. The, the main guy carrying the ball was Izzy Abanaconda, who goes 25 carries for 154 yards. The thing was, Mike, like, half of those yards were on one run so the other like the rest of the day he had 24 carries for 78 yards against Tennessee's defense that's not like again not an all-world defense they're pretty good they're athletic you know whatever but it's just I I don't trust this Pitt offense right now like at all and and I think that this is you know Pat Narduzzi trying to drag it back down to what it was pre-Mark Whipple like what he wanted from it and I don't understand that I don't think it's a good thing um I don't think the quarterback play, like you said, is as good as it was last year with Kenny Pickett. Maybe more comparable to like 2019 Kenny Pickett, which was fine, but not not going to get him anywhere near New York in the Heisman ceremony. Um, right. So, I don't know. Pitt's defense kind of kept him in this game. They they played a lot of like man, uh, you know, press man coverage on the outside, which. Worked for most of the afternoon, but at times <laughs> Tennessee was able to break through and that's all they needed because Tennessee is going to come out hucking it basically every every single game. And uh, eventually the the dam broke. And I, I was impressed that Pittsburgh got this game to overtime, honestly, but um, yeah, you know, it, it felt like it felt like the better team won to me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just surprised Pitt hung the way that they did. And they were able to drag Tennessee into the game they wanted to play in the second half, and even with a backup quarterback, they nearly pulled it off. So, a lot of credit to Pitt. I just, it'll be interesting moving forward to see kind of what what this looks like. Mm. Um, it was better performance up front defensively, but they struggled in the back end a bit. But that's going to happen when you play against Tennessee. So, I mean, how much stock am I gonna put into that? We'll see. Yep. Yep. Uh, Joey Syracuse 48 UConn 14 I, I want to just make one comment about this here Garrett Schrader is turning into I, I know it's UConn mm-hmm. but he they just played Louisville Garrett Schrader in the passing game is starting to look like a little bit of a quarterback
1: Um, well like starting on Saturday it is he wasn't
0: st- that bad against Louisville.
1: Uh, it, it okay. All right.
0: Right. I mean, this was uh, J- Joey. Like relatively speaking, like this Relative. was a look, look. Look, Schrader, Schrader threw for two hundred and thirty-six yards and two touchdowns against Louisville on eighteen and twenty-five passing. Um, I get it to Yukon. He threw three incompletions all day. He threw as many incompletions as touchdowns. He had two hundred and ninety-two yards passing. Um, through two games this year, he's completing almost, he's completing 79% of his passes, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 523 yards through the air. Mm -hmm. So he's, they're not throwing, they're not exactly like pushing the ball down the field. What I will say is that like Syracuse's offense last year, we talked about the Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker experience. It was not a lot of throwing happening by Garrett Schrader. Right. And they are throwing it a little bit now.
1: A little bit. I'm not sure I'm buying it. Again, a couple a couple of the numbers in the Louisville game, I think he got a, a long catch and run on like a screen pass to Sean Tucker. I think that was the 55-yard long pass that he had in that game. There's a couple of things like that that I'm like – Okay. I think the numbers maybe look a little bit better than he is. I, I don't think that the plan for Syracuse is going to be like, yeah, let's go <laughs> sling it around the yard, you know, as much as we can. Um,
0: oh, no. No, no. But they got to throw a little bit. I mean, they couldn't, they yeah. they had no balance of their offense when they were like try they finally figured out something that was working the back half of last season. Yeah. But they had no balance of the offense. Now I think that they at least have some balance.
1: I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, and I am curious, I, I guess. It's interesting to me, and again, I didn't watch almost any of this game, so like I, I don't really know that I, I, I can say for sure, but it is interesting to me that you bring in Robert and I, and so far it seems like the offense looks largely like it did last year and not like the one that Anai was running at Virginia. Um, you know, there is – and and maybe that's what you would call good coaching, where you adapt to the the, the players that you have and you run the scheme that right. makes sense for that, you know, but – so maybe that's a, that's a little bit of a, a referendum on, like, the receivers and such that Syracuse has versus what Virginia has, but I don't know, and and maybe it is also, you know, what is Garrett Schrader good at? Is it slinging it around, or is it, you know, the option game, you know, running it some, some, so I don't know. Um, right. I want to keep monitoring Syracuse, because, yeah, I, I, I don't know, Louisville looked awful last week, and we'll talk about them shortly, but, like looked less awful this week and i mean syracuse this week playing yukon like it's it's still yukon um they're one and two and the win was against central connecticut they lost to a utah state team that just got drubbed by weber state this year i believe oh yeah so yeah i don't know still want to monitor still want to monitor but definitely, was, I, I see, will say just, Syracuse probably better than I thought they were going to be so far.
0: That's where I'm at. They're probably better than anticipated. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on them. Let's talk about the Friday night game. Louisville 20, UCF 14. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, Louisville played better. In a lot of ways, they probably had no business winning this game. So yeah. that's kind of where I fall here. That's yeah. where I fall.
1: This is a real weird game. Um, Louisville's offense continues to like. Move the ball and then self-destruct when they get start getting into, like, field goal territory, basically. Yeah. Um, yep. For racking up 427 yards of offense, they only scored 20 points uh, and only turned the ball over once. Now, these two teams combined for 23 penalties and over 200 penalty yards. <laughs> so it was a sloppy, yeah. messy game, that's for sure. Um, the key to this game, I think, really was, like, late in the second quarter – Louisville like changed their defensive scheme basically and wrote it out for the rest of the second half where instead of like playing, you know, cover one, cover two, even cover three at times, they were just like playing cover zero man and loading the box and daring John Reese Plumley to beat them with his arm. And he just couldn't because do it. Because he can't, he mm-hmm. can't do it. Nope. Yeah.
0: And his, his biggest, his biggest weapon, um, you know, before he transferred into UCF, was his legs. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew it coming out of the SEC. They are like, well, he can't really throw, but he's an exciting runner. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how this panned out.
1: Yeah. Well, and it it did seem like they were, to some degree, they were kind of trying to force feed Javon Baker, by the way, which – Georgia Tech fans might recognize that name. That's a guy that Georgia Tech was after for a long time, tried to recruit. He ended up at Alabama um, and now transferred down to uh, UCF. But, um, yeah, it's like once once Louisville just you know stacked the box and, and took away that run game from UCF. It was like they didn't have an answer. They they could not beat Louisville over the top in the passing game. Uh, Plumlee finishes this game sixteen of thirty four for one thirty one, a pick, no touchdowns through the air. And that I think that kind of tells the story in, in most ways.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, I think if UCF has any semblance of a passing attack here, they win this football game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I'm not, not sold on Louisville, but they needed that win really, really bad.
1: Yeah, they really did.
0: Really bad. They needed it bad, and they got it. I mean, we were talking in the recap after week one about how if they didn't win this game, it was going to, potentially get pretty ugly quick for louisville and it could still get ugly quick but i think by winning this game you take a little bit of heat off of off of satterfield in terms of you know you didn't start the season 0 into um you won a group of five game on the road against you know quality opponent like this is this is a good win for louisville and it, it was not pretty but you know they found a way to gut it out again Second half defense, and I think you even mentioned they kind of switched things up in the second quarter. Like that changed the entire complexity of the game because I thought UCF wrote a lot of really good early momentum in mm-hmm. this football game, and then everything everything stalled out. I mean, I was watching this game early on, I'm like, man, this could be a UCF route, is how I was feeling. And then Louisville said, no, nah, we're good, we're gonna tighten this thing up. And once they did, you know, they had a lot of trouble. Um, they had a lot of trouble you know, finding a way to, yeah, finding a way to move the ball. So, yeah, got to give a lot of credit. Got to give a lot, a lot, a lot of credit to Louisville's defense in this football game.
1: I am still, yeah, so first of all, yeah, I mean, coming off that that Syracuse game, like, the vibes around this program were horrible. Like, right. yeah, I mean, the, the fan base coming off that, I remember Saturday night, I actually listened to uh, Mark Ennis, who helped preview Louisville, um, he he did a post game show and it started. It must have started at like twelve thirty in the morning, basically coming off that Syracuse game, and it was so bad, Mike. It was like everyone was just like ready to jump off the train, like we're done here after one game, basically. And so, th- th- the assumption Bro, here was man. like, oh, you're not going to go into Orlando and beat UCF, and and to do that, right. I think is is good, build some confidence, you know, that kind of thing. I'm still trying to figure out this Louisville offense. Like, on paper, they should be really good. Or they. Yeah, well, it's like, on paper, they should be really good. You've got a third, fourth, fifth-year quarterback, whatever the hell Malik is at this point. You've got a great play caller in Satterfield. They've been working together for a long time. Tyon Evans looks pretty good. You've got a number of skill players who are are gifted. Your offensive line is, you know, pretty well-regarded in in a lot of ways. Why can't y'all, like move the ball and actually, like, punch it in the end zone. I don't – you know, I haven't figured that out yeah. yet. I don't know. Maybe they will, but it's it's really kind of bizarre to watch. Like, it's just kind of crapping out when you start getting to that field goal territory area, it seems like.
0: UCF was driving down the field trying to take the lead with, like, a little less than three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and John Reese Plumley's pass was intercepted in the end zone by Jarvis Brownlee on an absolutely preposterous play.
1: It like, was wild. That was a I had forgotten about that. That was a crazy play. Yeah, and
0: yeah. the back of the end zone, um, the receiver and the defender exchanged the ball like three different times in the air, mm-hmm. and uh, they eventually ruled that Jarvis Brownlee intercepted it for Louisville. That changed the game. Um, Louisville promptly went three plays and then punted, uh, but UCF <laughs> UCF uh, really didn't have. You know, all that much time left to make anything happen. So, a couple key stops there in in the the, uh, waning minutes of the fourth quarter for
1: Louisville. So, got to give him credit there. There you go. There you go. So, go cards. I guess back on track, maybe. (laughs) For now. Again, we'll monitor. Like I said, this game against Florida State coming up, like, how do you even set a line for that? I have no idea. I. I think the line I, mean, I saw I was that Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite on Friday night in this game. <laughs>
0: hmm. 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 Huh. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Florida State. We'll talk about it in the preview. I do like Florida State, but that might that, that sounds juicy. Betting on a home dog money
1: line. Yeah. I don't know what the crowd's going to do. That's the home opener. Are they still yeah. pissed about Syracuse? Or are they happy that they beat UCF? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, pr- it's pretty passionate fan base. I think will show up. Yeah, they are. They are. That, that's going to be one to watch. Carve out some time on your Friday night yeah, to watch that yes. game.
0: Yeah, no, nah, we'll we'll be all over that. Um, there are three games left, and one of them's a throwaway. You can guess which one the throwaway
1: is. Ooh. Wake forty-five Vanderbilt twenty-five. That's that's a throwaway. <laughs> Sam Hartman looked good he did he, he looked like he hadn't missed a beat he looked like he'd you know looked like he might as well have just been suspended for the first week and not like out for legit life-threatening medical conditions like
0: <laughs> he threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns he had nine incompletions I mean this is this is the best version of Wake Forest from Sam Hartman's in the lineup and uh mm-hmm. Nothing against Mitch, Mitch Griffiths, by the way. He played great in week one against VMI. We gave him a lot of credit for the way that he stepped in and played. But, I, again, like Hartman is a top ten quarterback, conservatively, a top ten quarterback in the country. He is outstanding.
1: The numbers are outstanding, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, how does that translate to the NFL? Different discussion, doesn't matter. Um, right, right. But, like, what does right. he produce at the college level? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. top ten in the country, probably. He is as consistent yeah. and reliable outside of that one bowl game that he threw like four picks and consecutive drives. Like, but other than that, right, like, right. Why did I have to bring that up? I'm a jerk. Is I'm sorry. A, wake this. Was that against a And M? It was Wisconsin, I believe. Oh, gosh. And, it, and it was at Yankee Stadium in like on like December 29th or something like that. I think it might have been the COVID year too. And it was just like none of that counted Men's at all. Bowl. Just forget it.
0: Yeah. Just pretend it didn't exist. Um AT Perry five catches 142 yards and a touchdown. Another day I thought at the Vanderbilt office for him. Would hang close. Yeah, he's a stud. I thought um I thought Vanderbilt would hang a little bit better than they did. Um you saw it differently. I think, I think Vanderbilt was what a they were what a 14 point underdog. It was close. I it was
1: I think it was somewhere between 12 and a half and 13 and a half depending on where you looked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I thought Vanderbilt would lose this game by a couple scores. They lost by 20. It is what it is. Sam Hartman went nuclear. He looks great. Yeah. I think Wake will be fine. Yeah. Wake, Wake will be just fine. That's kind of one of my takeaways. It's like how good Wake, again, it's, it's Vanderbilt's VMI, but like how good Wake Forest has looked no matter who the quarterback is. And mm-hmm. I know that it'll matter. It'll matter more against like better teams in conference play, but. It has to feel good starting two and zero, and having Griffiths perform the way that he did, and then having Hartman step back in in game two, and just being everything we thought he would be.
1: I mean, it, it will matter more in conference play, but like, how how sure are we that Wake is is going to be fighting an uphill battle against most of the conference opponents that they play? Like, how many things in this conference are more sure than Wake Forest offense rolling up a bunch of points week over week?
0: No, I, I agree, and their defense is better than North Carolina's. So, before mm-hmm. everybody says, oh, well, Carolina's offense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree, but I think Wake's offense is better, number one. And number two, I think Wake's defense is better. So, uh, they're certainly better coached. So And I, I get Carolina's got all the talent, but, yeah, man, this is a Wake Forest team that's going to score a million points. They're going to be well coached. I think they're on their way to nine or ten wins if Hartman and
1: <laughs> Wake's offense and defense may well be better than North Carolina's. There is not a total high enough that they can set for that game that yeah. I do not nope. want to bet the nope. over though nope. Nope. <laughs> that game. Nope, nope, totally agree. I look forward to betting the over in that game, like in mid-November. That'll be great.
0: That's going to be phenomenal. Um, we can put our bets in now for that. that- the line that doesn't exist. Ooh. I will be all over that. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the uh <laughs> give me the over. Oh, is
1: it a blizzard? Over. Like Doesn't matter. Over. Like. Over. <laughs> over. Absolutely. Uh, oh man. Two more. Neither of all which right. I really watched like a second of, truthfully. <laughs> I don't think we missed okay. anybody. Well
0: no, 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 no. We're down to two games. Um, let's talk about this one. Uh, Duke 31, Northwestern 23. Duke had a 21-10 lead at halftime. Uh, Northwestern came back. It was 21-16 entering the fourth. Northwestern actually had an opportunity here late to to win this football game. Um, They couldn't do it. And Duke kicks a field goal um, to make this, instead of a five-point game, an eight-point game uh, with a mid-18 to play. Uh, Northwestern was driving down the field, couldn't punch the ball into the end zone. It was interesting because I thought Duke had control of this game most of the way. Then you kind of looked up and all of a sudden Northwestern, you know, did what Northwestern does. They found their way back into it and nearly scored and made this really, really difficult on Duke. So here's how I feel. Duke is 2-0. I did not think they would be 2-0 at this juncture. That's really all that matters here. Mm-hmm. Riley Leonard has been really, really good at quarterback for them, and that's that's the bottom line. Um, this is a Duke team that I don't care how you get there. I don't. I, I don't care. You know what it looks like in terms of oh they almost blew the lead. They almost you know, you know Northwestern almost like scored and and forced overtime. I don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This was supposed to be a Duke team. This Duke the over under I think the win total for Duke was, what, three and a half?
1: Uh, was it that high? Maybe it was, yeah. It and, wasn't any and, higher and than so that. And so, they're at two now,
0: already. I like their chances of picking off an ACC game
1: or two. Like, do you think? They got NCA and T a, this weekend. Like, that should be a, a bit of a gimme. <laughs> right, right but do you think like
0: think about some of these acc teams that have struggled and i'm sure duke will have their struggles and the talent gap will catch up and they'll they'll have some issues later this year it's going to be inevitable in a year zero situation with Elko. Mm-hmm. but like do you think Virginia? do you think virginia tech wants to see duke do you think uva wants to see duke do you think carolina even <laughs> wants to see duke with how riley leonard has looked
1: well, and with how this I mean, defense they're... is played, a couple of these teams with the questionable offenses, like mm-hmm. if if anything, I trust Mike Elko to get those guys ready to give them every problem that they're capable of creating. You know, like
0: that's that's where I'm at. And I I look, I think that I think that Duke will lose most of these ACC games that we talked about, like in the in the preseason. They're going to lose most of them. They're going to pick off at least one or two.
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
0: um, and if they pick off two of them and they beat A and T this weekend, they're one win away from bowl eligibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, this is a Duke schedule that plays pretty favorably. And I know reading off of yeah, you know, reading off schedules is not something that you know is a lot of fun to do. But they have A They're on the road to Kansas and they're home against UVA. That's the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Those are all, and, and by, by the way, Kansas is pretty good. I, I know we're an ACC podcast, but Lance Leipold might have
1: a little something out there. I have a, uh, a bit of a nugget of something to consider that I'm going to drop on the week four preview for that mm. game in okay. particular. Okay, That's a teaser. That's all you get for now. Come back and listen to the week four preview if you want to hear my little nugget. I'll tell you after we can get done Tech. recording, Mike.
0: That that's good. So your co-host won't be left in the dark. That's right. Does um, Georgia Does Georgia Tech want to see Duke?
1: By the way, mm, they did, and then the season started, and Duke looks reasonably competent, and that might be more than Georgia Tech can say. So,
0: so no. Georgia Tech in with lump Georgia Tech in with all the other teams I mentioned. Point being, we're not that far away from a world where duke is sitting here with a three four five uh six and no record in Mm mid-october with a home game against north carolina
1: yeah that's that's on the table like tell me which of those games they can't win with how they've looked so far yeah nt at kansas virginia and at georgia tech home against north carolina like
0: (laughs) that's and that's on the table And, I mean, that's before you mentioned the Virginia Tech game that I just talked about. They're on the road to Boston College. I would bet Duke tomorrow in that game on the road. So, I guess, Joey, it's time for me to ask, because we're two weeks into the season, and I'm all about overreactions.
1: Does Duke make a bowl game? I'll one-up you, Mike. Does Duke win the Coastal? (laughs) I didn't get the reaction I was hoping for on that. Never mind. Never mind. In in the (laughs) fire. In the final
0: year, in the final year of of the divisions in the ACC, it would only be fitting that a that a team win total of three and a half in Duke was the team that won the division. Hell that would be a fitting send off yes. for the Coastal. Go it would ACC. Be a fitting send off.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, just prepare yourself, Mike. Prepare. It's coming your way. Um, by the way. Something to consider as well. Temple might be absolute doo-doo, and Northwestern might not be good at either. Like I realize they beat Nebraska, but Nebraska hasn't really had a great weekend either. So there's a chance <laughs> that those two wins mean very little. So I don't know. Let's just keep monitoring Duke here. <laughs> oh, no.
0: I mean, I didn't say they'd be a good 6-0 or 5-0, <laughs> whatever I said.
1: <laughs> a fortunate 6-0. Uh,
0: better better than expected. No yes. uh, final game. I didn't watch a snap of this. I if if you gave me like multiple choice, I wouldn't have even remembered who NCCA played number 18 NCCA 55, Charleston three. I don't there's nothing to talk about here.
1: Nope. Nope. Um. MJ Morris, the freshman third string quarterback got in the game. Looks like it looks like because I didn't watch. I'm just looking at the box score here. Um, looks like they had about. Fourteen different players catch a pass in this game, <laughs> uh, so that's impressive. Oh yeah! I think it looks like almost every scholarship player played because, like, there's like a solid at least twenty-five players that had a tackle in this game or some sort of defensive stat. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, they they really uh, emptied the bench here and had a lot of people get involved. So good for you, NC State. I mean, they were up thirty-eight to nothing at halftime. So that's that's all you need to know.
0: I forgot to mention something earlier. Um, it was good to see my guy, uh, my Queen Elizabeth II Memorial player <laughs> to watch this week, Sir Denis dennis leave the game but then come back in. The
1: Queen's favorite knight, Sir Denis. dennis
0: That's right. Yeah, Sir um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he knew if he didn't come back in, he'd get
1: smited or something. In a period so, of mourning, okay. of all things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's correct. Cue the
0: uh, Fox NFL Sunday injury sound. Cue it now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a oh.
1: that was a Twitter highlight, man. Twitter was on was, one. What was it? Friday? Thursday? I don't know. That was a, that was a special day on Twitter. And when in the queen, when the Queen died. Yeah, yeah, totally. A, I mean, totally disrespectful day on Twitter, but it was it was funny if you can. And, I live, and, and you know me. I I
0: live for the disrespect. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm here for. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm all about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which
0: which is a good segue into my team of the week. My team of the week's Illinois because it's making UVA wish they had Mike London back.
1: <laughs> oh Mike. You missed one. I I've got a better team of the week for you. Oh, do you? Uh the Bowling Green Falcons, <laughs> falling fifty nine fifty seven to Eastern Kentucky. I believe they're the Colonels in seven overtimes. <laughs> I, I kid you not. My phone was going off like a slot machine with people texting and tweeting at me, like, "Look at what Bowling Green is doing!" Like, there's like more excitement around Bowling Green in our podcast listenership than there is about any program within the ACC. <laughs>
0: I will say like lucky for Bowling Green, like Scott Frost will probably be their next head coach. So they do have that going for them. <laughs>
1: Uh Yeah. Good times. Um, all right. So that's not actually my team of the week. Um, I will take, uh, let's find out. I don't know um, who had a really good win. Louisville did have a good win. Um, I will give them that they needed it badly. It, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done. Um, that might be Wake Forest, maybe. Got a win against uh, Duke, maybe. A couple of good candidates here. Let's who, who do we want to go with here? Um, yeah, let's go with Duke. Team of the week: the Duke Blue Devils going on the road into Evanston, getting it done against the Northwestern Wildcats. That is that is impressive. Um, a team that I thought was Probably just going to be like an absolute smoldering crater. Thought there was a chance they'd go 0-12. They have won multiple games uh, before my team has, for sure, and most teams have. So credit to Duke for uh, getting a second win going on the road against a Power 5 team and, and getting it done. They're, they're my team of the week. I'll give it to Duke.
0: I couldn't make Duke my team of the week for two weeks in a row. So that's just that's that's company policy, so to speak.
1: Did I do that last week? I forget what I did. I don't even remember. I think
0: you and I both said I, I think you and I both said do, but we had to.
1: Last week feels like it was like a year ago, so I don't remember anything that happened. So
0: Yeah, we we run we're running on infant time. That's our problem.
1: Yeah. And fumes and bourbon. So um
0: Yes. I have blood work tomorrow, so I'm currently fasting. So at ooh. least you drink bourbon. Oh, yeah, hmm. N- nothing serious, nothing serious. it's for a life insurance policy, so nothing uh, serious it's
1: all good uh I'm fine yeah I'm you healthy don't, you as don't far wanna know you don't need them knowing how much you drink that's
0: that's <laughs> 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 that's correct. Why is your blood out oh, that's weird your b a c is like three times the legal limit, and you haven't <laughs> slept that's weird,
1: yeah, I've got a newborn, thanks for the uh Thanks for the congrats.
0: I, yeah. I got a newborn. And it's basically like being drunk.
1: <laughs> it pretty much is. Player of the yeah. week. Uh, I'm going to go Sam Hartman. 300 yards, four touchdowns through the air in a uh, returning effort. Credit to him.
0: Uh, yeah. My, my pick is uh, A.T. Perry or um, Taiwan Garbutt for Virginia Tech. I think he had like four or five quarterback curries, a couple sacks. Uh, yeah i mean jeff, jeff Hafley's a defensive-minded head coach and boy is that starting to show <laughs>
1: <'Cause>,
0: <laughs> man bc bc screwed this year i think i i thought um i thought in the preseason boss college would be a lot better but man i really underestimated how bad that offensive line is
1: yeah maybe that's that's what we do like let, let's go ahead and get this out of the way for uh for the season i'm gonna try to not go back to it but the uh Brian Van Gorder Memorial, You Tried Award of the Week, goes to Boston College's offensive line, who really tried to do oh. any portion of their jobs, um, clearing running lanes, protecting their quarterbacks, any of it, and just nope, nope. That did that did not happen at all. So. Uh,
0: very, very poor. Just a poor effort. Not very good.
1: BCD. Yeah,
0: you barely—it's the you barely tried award. Yeah, <laughs>
1: the, I'm assuming you tried award. Um. Yeah, right. <laughs> but maybe not. Yeah, who knows? Um, I don't have a GoACC go moment of the weekend I,
0: mo- I do. It's UVA hiring Tony Elliott.
1: <laughs> That's. Oh wait, hold, sorry. What? What's happening here? I can't tell. Oh. Why are they introducing all the characters from Mickey Mouse? Oh, Mindy. <laughs> Mindy. <laughs> what happened? <laughs>
0: it's the very strange. Oh. I, I,
1: I think my computer heard you mention the Virginia coaching staff, and uh, it just started playing the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. It's just it's bizarre how that works. I, yeah, I don't, it's, I don't get it.
0: It's very weird. It's almost like I, I queued you up for that. My my favorite. My favorite thing is that I, I referenced uh, that UVA had a Mickey Mouse staff after Week One, right? I, I joked about that, mm-hmm. and I had some uh, local friends of the program in my mentions. <laughs> uh, we're among friends here, Chris Grondon and uh, Banana Slug. We had Chris Grondon on here, mm-hmm. friend of friend of the show. Guest yeah, of the show.
1: Great listener, yeah. longtime yeah. listener.
0: Yeah, and. I love Benny and a slug and I love Chris Grondon. And they were saying, wow, you're calling UVA UVA staff Mickey Mouse after what we saw at Virginia Tech week one? <laughs> Look, I'm not throwing stones from glass houses, man. I, I know I know where I'm at with Virginia Tech, right? But, like, M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. It's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it felt good. It, it felt good, like declaring that uva was going to lose by at least two scores to illinois and then watching it happen spectacular fashion and then just being able to relay it to the public
1: man as somebody who didn't have like the particularly good betting weekend there were a few of those games that was like oh i totally let that get away i should have bet it wake forest yeah illinois like we I, I, yeah. we told you what was going to happen in these games. Like, how did I get a, the Iowa Iowa State under? Like, come on, Joey. Oh yeah, I t- bet that. I bet that.
0: Take I bet your the Iowa Iowa State under. I'll tell you what one was a was a lock. The lock of the year was Memphis. They were only a four and a half point favorite against Navy, and they in Memphis I, beat them particularly good. Navy. Yeah. Beat, Memphis does not particularly good. Navy is horrible. They beat that ass.
1: Yeah, we we respect the troops on this podcast, but Navy's bad, y'all. Like, y'all yeah, should work on fading Navy on Saturdays.
0: It's profitable. It's gonna be profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man, hopefully I didn't piss off too many of our UVA listeners with this podcast. I don't know.
1: I mean, probably. <laughs> It's week two. It probably did. You're in mid-season form. We're uh, we're doing well here.
0: It used to be Miami. Um we circled back to UVA once, you know, they decided to be bad again. When they were good, I gave them several compliments, as you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Fair enough. So
0: this is a uh anti North Carolina, anti-UVA podcast from my neck of the woods. So <laughs>
1: The uh, I've really that's one of the things I've really noticed. And I think I mentioned this last week was the uh, the Virginia Virginia Tech fan bases have like some real special hatred towards like UNC in particular. Um, yeah, I've seen it a lot like on on Twitter out, you know, out in these parts, maybe a little bit on Reddit, you know, whatever. Like it's like a, a sneaky rivalry there. I, I, I'm impressed. Good job. Yes. <laughs> We'd love to hate them. Yep. Yep. Mike, that's all I got in week two. Anything else?
0: No, I mean, I'm exhausted. Sorry. I'm exhausted. I need to go to sleep.
1: (laughs) I'll see if I can go back and believe that. We'll see.
0: Um, Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Not many people are listening at this point anyway.
1: I'm exhausted, too, so we'll see how much time I spend on editing this before uh, uploading and posting and then just going to bed. Yeah. week three i made your job infinitely more difficult with that yes you did (laughs) week three uh few very interesting games uh we're going to come back here in a couple days and preview that yeah um speaking of games that i have no idea how to handicap purdue at syracuse what do i do with that i don't know come back and we'll find out on like wednesday or thursday maybe
0: it's, it's going to be interesting because it may not be the last time that Jeff Brom coaches against Dino Babers in an ACC game.
1: <laughs> Perhaps not. And honestly, as a, uh, as a Louisville fan, I really wouldn't mind it. Just just do it already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Send us emails. Do all those things. Um, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate. SoundCloud yeah um bet u uh, s obligated uh to mention that at some point in this podcast uh Mike that's all i got anything else <laughs> uh
0: no that's it we'll leave on the bet u s note
1: i'll leave my uh my story from this week from bet u s until uh until the, the preview show how about that
0: yeah that's oh man i if they could count to ten it would be an accomplishment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be uh yeah that would be the first step to actually being able to like pay out the the people that you know you're sponsoring and stuff so anyways we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that later mm-hmm. this week shout <laughs> ariel espinoza <laughs> man what a time uh all right mike have a, a good week here we will talk here in a couple of days all right
0: yep let's do it
1: all right get some sleep All right, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon to preview week three. Until then, go ACC.